Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, dear God, for this day. We count ourselves victorious in you, Heavenly Father, and we will go forward in celebration and we will continue to uplift and praise your name. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Rest, rule, and abide in this space, Heavenly Father. Allow for every ear to hear your word, Heavenly Father. Allow for every heart to be touched on this day, God. We bind anything that would try to distract or take away from your word, Heavenly Father. We declare and decree that this is a holy ground that we are standing on, an anointed place and space, Heavenly Father, for you to move freely. So we thank you and we praise you. I pray that you remove me, Heavenly Father, and just use me as a vessel for your people, God. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. So, as y'all know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Amen. Y'all don't sound like y'all teams in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. <laughs> so over the past few weeks we have kind of started transitioning a little bit um in steadfast to really focus on I am victorious so with that I'm just going to go ahead and take the lay up here it just seemed and go forward with this with the title of today's service which is uh, steadfast victory Amen. I was like, it's there. It's just sitting there. I'm, I'm just going. I'm Papa. I'm just going to take it. I'm just. It's the. I'm just going to take it. All right. There we go. <laughs> so last week, Pastor O.C. taught us the purpose of victory. Since we know the why, let's dive into the what. As you know, we want to set up, be set up for success by making sure we're all on the same page, and we're going to start with some definitions. Just want to let y'all know. And I do definitions to make sure that we're understanding what the words are. So often we use vocabulary without understanding what it means or sometimes even using it in the right context. And the fact of the matter is words get changed over time. God bless there's an urban dictionary and I need it sometimes just to translate what some of the kids are saying. Because I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing or an appropriate thing. So I need to know, well, that and Pastor O.C. becomes my dictionary as well. Because um, I, I don't always know what stuff means. But for today, I want to revisit some stuff that we should already know. It was all of last year. But the first one is to refresh our memories with steadfast. Steadfast means firmly fixed in place. Our declaration from 2023 says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, for the newest addition to our vocabulary, let's take a look at the base word, victory. Victory is the overcoming of an enemy or antagonist. Another definition for victory is achievement or mastery or success in a struggle or endeavor against odds or difficulty. I'm going to pause right here on the mastery. If we look at the definition of mastery, the mastery means the author, the authority of a master or one having authority over. So if we jump back to Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says, and Pastor O.C. touched on this a little bit last week, but I'm taking a different spin. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, when you say the word dominion, dominion can be interchanged as a synonym for authority. And I know you're like, okay, that's great, that's wonderful. What does it all mean? Here's the thing. Based on the definition of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we were literally created not to lose. Like that was literally part of our creation to have authority, to be victorious. Here's the thing is God never fails. We're made in his image. So we were never created to fail. Here's the thing is sometimes we have moments where we feel like it's a failure or we feel like we're losing, but we have to remember that that's part of the process because we were created to never fail. We were created to have victory in everything we did. That's not part of our spiritual DNA. It's just not. If you did a DNA test right now, and our children are kind of reflecting that a little bit. Pastor O.C. and I had this conversation when we got married. I said, I need you to know in my DNA, I know how I look. But if we have a very fair, freckled, redhead kid, that's me. <laughs> because I know what's in my DNA and I know what's in my family tree. And I know what I have cousins that look like. I have cousins that have Native American, and I'm kind of jealous at family reunions because they have very jet black, like long hair, very tall, very like statuesque features. There are those who have height, I didn't get that. I didn't. I missed all the height, all the, all the, I didn't get none of that. Um, and then there's these people over here who, again, I go to another family reunion, and there's a whole group of very, like, red hair froze, afros walking around, and I'm like, I didn't get, I didn't get that either. Um, but I know it's part of my makeup. I know it's part of my DNA. So it doesn't surprise me when I have my children or what my grandchildren will look like because we know what's part of our DNA. So here's the thing, being victorious should not surprise us because that is part of our spiritual DNA. Having favor should not surprise us because that is how we are made. That is what we are made for. So understanding that we were made to be victorious. So let me get back on track here. But for this, as we talk about being victorious or the steadfast victory, we have to understand what our assignment is. So when we go and take a look at, um, today I actually want to take a look at Acts, but starting at verse, verses 4 through 10. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia. They were forbidden by Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia after they came to Mesha. They tried to go back to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them to. So passing by Mesha, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
for my little disciples, the main scripture for today is the Acts 16, 4 through 10. So let's take a pause here and discuss this, dissect this just a little. So even before going to Macedonia, Paul and Silas were traveling from city to city. And they were guided by Holy Spirit. So along the way, Holy Spirit literally, they got to Asia and it was like, nah, don't go there. They continue to travel and they get to Bithynia. And again, Holy Spirit is like, okay, this isn't for you. Keep going. They have a dream. Paul has a dream. And then you're for them to go. And he sees in the vision for to go to Macedonia. That's the next stop that they go to. And then in Macedonia, to, to top it all off, all, Holy Spirit blocks you from going to all these places. And the places you do go, you get arrested. We'll get back to that. <laughs> Forgive me. So, the first thing we have to do is understand our assignment. In football, in basketball, in any sport, everybody has a very specific assignment. They have a position that they are supposed to play in the game. Nothing else. At that moment for that play, they have a very specific role. And here's the thing is, in this, as we see them go from city to city, Holy Spirit guides and directs them on where to go and what position to play. But for us to understand what our position is, the first thing we have to do is ask, which means make a request. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ. Here's the thing is, we have to first ask. We have to ask what role does God want us to play? Where are we supposed to go? Because we have good ideas. Again, as I mentioned before, my idea for today might be being in Mexico. God said that is not where you need to be right now. <laughs> but we have to first ask because so often we just jump out and do because we feel compelled. I'm sure he got to Asia and there was something that was like, I want to go there. I should go there. And God says, somebody's going to go there, but it ain't going to be you. <laughs> and not at this time. So we have to understand, because quite frankly, if a foot, when, the, when Seth plays football or when always playing soccer, or even when Jasmine is dancing, and I know these with other sports, the coach is going to dictate where the kids go. We may not always agree. The kids may not always agree, but that is the point of the coach. They assess the strengths and the weakness of each person that makes up the team, and they try to put them in a position that's most optimal for their strengths. If I have poor hand-eye coordination, I should not be a quarterback. I should not be a receiver either. I should just be blocking somebody. That's it. Don't touch the ball. Just push. See that big person in front of you? When you hear hunt, just go and push them. That's all you do. Don't touch nothing. But if I have those skills, that's a waste of my resources. Also, if I'm a kicker and I'm a little person, you don't want me in front of no 300-pound dude who can bench press a Buick. That's probably not a good use to my life either. So you have to understand the resources, and to do that, sometimes we need to ask. And most times we do need to ask because we have a vision of what we want to see done, 
And we have our thoughts. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. The other part of this is once you ask it, number two is we have to hear it. To perceive or become aware by the ear, listen with attention. There's a difference between listening and hearing. Listening is when someone else is talking in your presence and you go, "Uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then the person says, what did I just say? And you have no idea. Congratulations, you just listened. But you did not hear anything they just said. So for my youth, on your New Year's resolution, on the goals for this year, it is to hear what is being said and not just to listen. So that is what that meaning is. So that when someone's talking to you, you actually can take in and give attention to the words that are being said. And the people know that you're actually hearing them, understanding and taking in the information. And you're not sounding like some cartoon going womp, 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 womp. Or for the younger generation, you don't sound like a a minion going ba-boy, 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 boy, ba-boy. You're using actual words. But making sure that we are actually listening once we ask the question, we want to hear the response. Because that's the other thing is, too. If you ask coach, I'm ready to be a starter, and coach says no, you have to be okay with that. You have to actually hear it. You don't run out on the field when they say it ain't your turn. That's not your turn. You actually have to hear it and take it in. In Matthew 11:15, Jesus literally says, he who has ears, let them hear. In Romans 18, or 10 and 18, we hear, So let the faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, they have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Sorry, let me say that again. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. So it's taught repeatedly to make sure that we are hearing. This is a crucial part of why Apostle has been leading us through the Vetting the Voices series. Because we have to understand, there's a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of people talking. Particularly, we were at an event yesterday. And it was a lot of families. It was a big event. But here's the thing is, I know when I yell my children's name, they know my voice. And there were a whole bunch of kids running around because it was a bounce house and face painting and balloons. And I heard, mom, 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 mom. There was a lot of moms being screamed at yesterday. But I knew my kid's voice. I didn't have to turn around at every time. I, we know each other's voices so that we're not distracted. I wasn't running to 15 other kids. I only had three there. Well, two was only there. So that's all I needed to focus on. In John 10, 3 and 5, it is said that to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. (coughs) And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of the strangers. So which leads us into the last part. So we have ask, hear, and finally follow. To go after or behind, to walk, to ride or move behind, but in the same direction. Other definitions include accepting authority and obey. So for in order to have victory, we have to ask the coach, 
We have to ask the person in charge. We have to hear what the directions are and then actually follow the directions. It's the hardest part is following the directions. I used to get yelled at growing up all the time. My mom would tell me, you will never get in trouble if you follow directions. Because she said, I gave them to you. So if I gave you the directions and you follow what I said and it goes wrong, that comes back on me. But you have to follow the directions. Because, you know, I always thought I could do it better. I could try to invent something a little different. I could tweak it and make it more awesome. And she was like, just, just, just follow. Just do what I told you to do is another way that I've heard it before. Just, just do what I told you. Don't do nothing extra. Just do what I told you. <laughs> In John 12, 26, it says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And when and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone else serves me, him my father will honor. Here's the thing. Is if you follow, you're going to reap the benefit. You're going to reap the, the, the reward of just following. And that becomes the hard part, again, because we want to we wanna do our own thing. But here's the thing is I can guarantee you right now, there are players that will be on the field this afternoon. They're getting paid a lot of money to not do their own thing. <laughs> like, th that is their job, is to not do their own thing. They, are, they have somebody in a booth. They got somebody on the sideline. They got people everywhere. And they, somebody going to tell them directions. They got directions on their wrist. Some people got stuff in their ear. Your, goal, your whole job is to follow directions. Even more importantly, by following is understanding that those people have a perspective that you don't. The important part about following is even as they were going from city to city, they have to trust that Holy Spirit has a perspective and has a vision and an understanding that they don't see right then and there. Something that can be very detrimental, even harmful, deadly even. But I have to trust that if I ask you, you told me the position that I'm supposed to be in and I follow it, that that is going to lead me to the victory that we're going for. So, for today, y'all know I have a little activity. I got a couple activities. Praise the Lord. If you are repping your team today, could I ask you to stand? <laughs> um, sure, yeah, you can stand. You can stand. So I asked you to stand because clearly a message went out. Y'all heard it and you followed it. So amen, congratulations, y'all did that part. If you want, I got candy for you afterwards too. You can have a seat. <laughs> See, y'all also want the prize bucket too. Got you. You have a seat. <laughs> That's why I gave you another way. Flip it over. Oh, okay, got you. I'll remember that for next time. I'm working it. I'm working it out. I'm working it out. So when we talk about steadfast victory, the biggest part about that is to not move from that thing, from that assignment. Once you know you ask, you know the assignment, you're following it, don't move. Can I ask a favor? They don't know I'm doing this. For any of my youth who play football, can you come up for me, please? I need you to be my examples. Where's Seth go? Oh, we can I borrow you? Can I borrow you? 
I promise you don't need to do nothing really hard. I just need you, I need you for a visual example. And my knees ain't like they used to, so I need y'all for this. Plus y'all lower it to the ground. I can, I can, y'all can do this. All right, do me a favor, face that direction. And can I ask you to get into a football stance? Okay. So, I say this because when we say steadfast victory, and you say not to move, there are whole practices where they have to hold this because they have to know not to move. Do you know it's a penalty to move? Was it false start? Am I right? Okay. <laughs> I was like, am I right? I was there. Okay. All right, you guys can stand up. Thank you. So you have to stand there. You have to hold it. But here's the thing is you're planting your feet into the ground. You're getting your stance ready because once it goes, you have to be prepared to move. But while you are in there, you cannot move from that stance. You have to hold that ground. You have to hold the line. Even when you stand up, especially if you're playing defense, when they say go, your point is not to move. They can't get through you. You can push back against them, but they ain't going that direction. They go in that direction. That's where you want them to go, straight ahead. So let's take a, go back to Acts for a moment. In Acts 16 and 25, it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Here's the thing. Paul and Silas, they followed the directions of the Holy Spirit. They were locked in the prison. They were locked, they were locked up in the prison to be locked. They were double locked up all the way in the prison. And even despite the darkness and the bleakness of their situation, they remembered what their assignment is. They stayed on that thing. They did not move. They are praising and worshiping as if they are not locked up. They are praising and worshiping as if they are not bound. They are continuing to give God all the glory despite the things that they see before them. They have not given up on their assignment. They have that much faith in what God called them to do that despite my circumstances, I will still be victorious. I will still sing his praises. When a team goes into a game, they have no doubt that they will be victorious. I can guarantee you right now the two teams, both of them have it steadfast in their minds that they are this year's winners of the Super Bowl. There is nothing that is going to shake them from that. And as they go play by play by play, no matter what the scoreboard says, they will continue to press through and persevere with the mind thought of we are victorious. They will continue to press through. So in conclusion, I told you, I won't be here long for y'all. <laughs> in football, they are taught to go until the whistle blows. Now we had a few refs that needed to learn the hard way that you better blow that whistle. The funniest one was in flag. Somebody's flag didn't come off and that poor baby got drugged a good 20 yards. I'm like, somebody better blow a whistle. We had kids that kept running. They thought they was making a touchdown. They didn't hear the whistle. They was gone. They said, go until you hear the whistle. They didn't hear the whistle. I'm like, you should have blew it earlier. That's ours. You should have. I don't know where you got caught up, but you should have blew. You should have blew. 
Um, but that's the thing is you go until the whistle blows. So now with that, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 57. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on the incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has been, has put on incorruption and that this mortal has been turned into immorality, then shall be brought pass to pass saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Literally are waiting and we are going until the whistle blows. We go until we can't go anymore. And knowing that we are victorious, there are going to be quarters where you're going to enter it and you could be down. You can even go leave halftime and be down. You can even have an injury in the middle of the game. But here's the thing is the game is not over until it is. And we go until we can't. And we continue to move forward and stay steadfast in the things that were told to us, that was prophesied to us, that we have visions. Once that thing is put inside of us, we have to hold on to it and stay planted in that place. To hold on to it, to know that we will be healed, that we will be made whole, that we are lenders and not borrowers, that our generations will be saved, that we will be more than conquerors, that we will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or imagine. We have to hold on to those things and stay in that stance and not be moved by it and not be shaken by it and not being distracted by the things around us. I can only imagine being in prison yet praising and worshiping being excited and then here's the thing is we have the ability to speak to those things here's the thing is they acted free and then they became free they became the thing that they were acting out that they were working in they were praising and worshiping like they were free and they had to react because again we have authority we were created for that even the shackles and the chains had to react to that they are under us they're under our dominion with the power of God. So we are thankful for that victoriousness. And all of today, I just want you to remember three things. First of all, understand your assignment. You were created for a purpose. You were born for such a time as this. Understand your assignment. And once you understand that thing, don't move from it. Do not let anything shake you or take you away from what your assignment is to be. And remember that you were created to be victorious. You, that is literally in your spiritual, you can't be anything less than that. That's what you were created for. That is part of just as natural, as, more natural than you breathing is being victorious and everything that you are moving forward in. So as I ask you to stand today, I love it when I see 
So one of the things about wearing the teams and the jerseys is because when I say uh, steadfast victory, I know we got some teams in here that are not in the Super Bowl. I see you. (laughs) Pastor Vince, too. Well, not this year. That's okay. I'm sorry, Steelers. Um, (laughs) But the thing about this is it's amazing, and I love when people put on their teams, especially on Super Bowl Sunday, because we stand fast with that thing. We're going to wear that shirt or that jersey whether our team made it or not. Even the Kansas, to the Chiefs and the 49ers, they still going to wear that stuff next year. Whether they in it or not, you still going to wear it. And so here's the thing is, I love the Browns because it was the, it was the team my family grew up with. And one of the things I remember was from 1996. I had to look up the actual dates to 1998. They did not have a team. They were taken to Baltimore. To my Ravens fans, I know it's a controversial topic. We'll get there. But they were taken. (laughs) And they didn't have a team. But the amazing thing that I loved about the fans and I saw in my family is they waited. They kept all of their apparel. They still had their little shells. Everybody still had their banners up. The garages in the basements were still decorated. Even though they did not have a team for three years and they watched everybody else, they stood on the fact that I am still a Browns fan. Now, needless to say, it was some agonizing days in our house. My dad kind of looked like a sad puppy watching watching football. But they stood on that. And then their team came back. And I don't even know if we want something, but ain't nobody giving up their stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? You cannot tell a Browns fan that they are not victorious. God help us if they make it to the Super Bowl, because all of Ohio is going to drive right across to wherever it is. <laughs> Everybody's going to go, because we waited too long for this. But I tell you what, you're not going to move them. You're not going to shake them. Even when the NFL were like, are you sure you still want a team? And they said, you better bring ours back. They fought to keep the colors, the names. We going to get us a stadium. We're, we're, we are not moving from this. I know we don't have anybody to cheer on for three years, but we still standing on this. This is who we are. Despite what it looks like, despite what's going on, we are still Browns fans. So even though there may be seasons where we are just waiting and we don't have nothing, we are still children of God. Even though we may not have, even it may not feel like we have anything to cheer for, it doesn't change the fact that I am still a child of God. That I'm still going to see my victory. That it is still coming to pass. That the things that God promised me are not void. We will continue to stand on those things. So, on today, after I pray, I invite you to come up to the altar. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come on up. <laughs> we would love to introduce you to him. I, can, I need to tell you about a man. <laughs> if you do not have a church home, we invite you to come up, and we are happy. This is New Beginnings Discipleship Ministries. We are who we are. Amen? And then also... If you are walking through that season and just need that encouragement to continue pressing forward to that mark, to be victorious, to be reminded that you will be victorious in this day, we invite you to come up.
So, Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the reminder that we, for steadfast victory, that we will be unmovable, unshakable, Heavenly Father, that we know that we will not be moved from the fact that we are created in your image. And God, you never fail. So we thank you and we praise you for the encouragement as we continue to press forward, knowing that what you said is for us will be ours. Heavenly Father, that no thing can take it away from us, that no attack, no discouragement, the things around us do not define the outcome of what you have called for us, God. So we will continue to keep pressing until we hear that whistle blow. So we thank you. We praise you. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.